Broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline. You're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hello, everyone. Good morning, and thanks for joining us today on What's the Plan, Monterey. I am Paul Wyant, owner of Express Employment Professionals of Monterey County. If you need great employees, uh, find us today at 831-920-1857, or you can find us on the web at, uh, oh, actually, just Google Express Employment Monterey. Um, today, we have a great show for you. Uh, I'm going to be talking to Mark Carbonero about some of the local news. There's Woo-hoo! a lot going on right now, so it'll be exciting. <laughs> How you doing? That's Mark over there, you hooing. How are you doing, Mark? Doing really well. Thank you, Paul. And uh, why don't we dive right into it because there's a lot going on. Wait a minute. Before we do that, did you did you pimp your business yet? Because you have to do that. I did. Pimp, I did. You see, you're not listening. I yeah, just no, pimped I my was... business. But you know what I didn't pimp is I didn't um, mention that you can go to whatstheplanmonterey.com and download the podcast or go there to iTunes go. or Spotify. But hey, Mark. I want to ask you, if you needed a a nice employee for your business or you wanted to find a job, where would you go? I would go to Express Employment Professionals. (laughs) That's great. That's that's exactly where I'd go too, Mark. So thanks so much. Uh, Let's... Let's talk about some of the great, uh, that's not great, but let's talk about some of the news. I, Significant and again, I know news you, stories. <laughs> yeah, I know you say this all the time, and it's it's an embarrassment of riches here locally. Yes. Between the ag the ag news in uh, the Salinas Valley and and you know the goings on there and all the all the drama with that, then you add the peninsula where you've got almost like big little lies over here uh world uh just always something going on so on the one of the the big stories that we had been covering for probably over a year now is the officer who was fired from the pacific grove um police force that's right for having and he had a bumper sticker that was i don't know if it said proud boys but it in some way implicated him being part of the proud boys can you uh talk a little talk a little bit about first why he was fired yeah so so officer michael gonzalez was fired back in 2021 over basically politically incorrect opinions, okay? And as a result of that, and there some of the opinions like on a on a message board that uh, he he used um, four-letter language that we can't, you know, <laughs> we can't repeat here. Uh, but at any rate, he was fired. And, um, and so in February of 2022, a little over a year ago, he filed a lawsuit, wrongful termination lawsuit against the Pacific Grove, uh, the city of PG, the police chief, Ka- uh, Kathy Matt. Alone, city manager Ben Harvey, and um, and then also uh, our favorite former city council member Jenny McAdams. Right, they were all uh, identified as being part and parcel, part of the reason why he lost his employment with the city. And so he he sued them, and they settled that lawsuit this week. Now he asked for a million dollars in the lawsuit, but uh, it turns out that and he won the lawsuit. By the way, rather than take the million dollars, he and his attorney got something. A lot more significant. They got $10,000 in cash. No, <laughs> less $2,000 in withholding, and he'll pay some of his attorney's fees with that. But actually, more significantly, he was able to get concessions from the city of Pacific Grove of his termination from being fired to a voluntary resignation. Okay, so that's really, really big for it to be a voluntary resignation. And, uh, and then also that his performance that they would admit and also put this in writing in his record that he did an admirable job as a police officer, you know, good conduct and everything like that. So what that means for Mr. Gonzalez is that he can now uh, 
he can now find employment as a police officer anywhere else in the state of California or in the United States because under the previous, you know, when they actually fired him, they terminated him, it would have been darn near impossible for him to get a job as a police officer anywhere else because the the stain of the allegations against him would have made police departments shy away from him. So I think when when he and his attorney, you know, looked at the proposed settlement, if you get a million dollars and you tell the city, okay, I'll take that million dollars like right now, well, you're going to lose half of it in taxes, right? Or if you say, give me the money over 20 years, like you've won a million in the lotto, then you get 50000 a year for 20 years, but you take taxes out of that. And what does the guy do to support himself? Because, I mean, let's, let's face it, say it's fifty grand and you lose ten or fifteen in taxes, so you got 35000 This man's got a family. How is he going to support himself on $35,000 a year? It's a nice stipend, but you got to make a lot more than that. So I think he decided they went for the settlement where he, quote-unquote, gets his good name restored and his ability to work as a police officer again. Because when you look at his age, he's in his early 40s or so, mid-40s. He can work again for another 15 or 20 years maybe, and retire with a pretty good pension. And I will bet that if he goes to work in California uh, for another police department, all of his previous service now will be counted into his new job so that he won't be going in like as a rookie, you know, uh, pension-wise. He'll be going in at whatever number of years of service that he has in the CalPERS system. That will that will expand if he if he goes to work as a police officer somewhere here in California. So all in all, I think the city got off cheap, right? Because they didn't have to pay out a million dollars. Now it probably they're probably gnashing their teeth over having to um, you know restore his good name, but uh, it it probably is preferable to paying out that money. Yeah, a quick clarification. They did it. It's, the total is twenty thousand dollars, eight thousand for attorneys' fees, and a couple thousand for some other puka. But the I, I think it's interesting too. Um, well, let me say this: If Mister Gonzalez wants to get another job in California, he should probably go to Reading or someplace that's a little more right leaning, uh, maybe Irvine or San Diego, because uh, you know I, I don't know. Um, you know, because yeah, it being sounds a police like his officer, political views. Yeah. yeah, being a police officer in Central California or along the California coast in liberal land, yeah, probably not going to be a, <laughs> a good place for him. But I did want to say, I I had one encounter with uh, Mr. Gonzalez when he pulled me over once, and he was actually really nice. So and that's a data point. And, uh, and so I was kind of a fan, and I was, I'm glad that he, he was victorious in this because I thought it was it was pretty flimsy what they did um and it sounds like the city you know got off relatively cheap and saved face somewhat in the deal so it does does sound a little bit like a win-win but it i mean i don't know what he's been doing for the last year and a half for um his occupation so he's probably suffered a substantial financial blow so it's not a huge win for him but at least he can go on and work again which is is good to hear because i uh yeah, I, I thought I thought they wronged him. Right. Probably should have given him a little bit more money right. too. They should have probably you know compensated him for the year of lost work. Getting your What's good that? getting getting your good name restored is worth a lot more than money. You know, it, it is them yeah. having to admit they were wrong 
and that they violated the law and his First Amendment rights, that's big because that sets precedent. See, there's the other, you know, this is one of the kind of the surprising things that comes out of this because what I learned a long time ago is that, you know, government agencies um, typically institutions like colleges and so forth, when they get nailed on violation of, of First Amendment free speech rights, they always tend to want to settle out of court because they don't want any sort of, they don't want to go to court and lose and help set precedents that allow other people behind whomever they were persecuting to have success. So in a way, you know, I think that what Michael has achieved here is not only something that personally is very good for him, but it is also good for uh, for other public employees that government agencies cannot use the power of of, uh, of firing someone, punishing them for um, outspoken views that are not, you know, in the mainstream, so to speak. He could he could also uh, get a sort of a Nick Sandman effect where he his actually you know even though he his reputation was denigrated initially, he might come out more highly regarded possibly in the uh, police community because of the, you know, the backlash. Cause I think in certain circles, Nick Sandman, he is the, he's that Covington Catholic high school. Uh, yes. I remember him who was mm-hmm. accused of mocking a native American. And it turns out when they looked at the whole film, the native American had actually aggressively come and was beaten the thrum in his face. And he was unfairly accused by the media. And I think he, he got some me- money from CNN and and all the places that that kind of that you know kind of sullied his good name. But I think he also has a uh, he's got a little bit of a, of a leg up in that in certain circles because of that experience. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if Officer Gonzalez might maybe Reading Police Force will be like we would love to have you, and that would be that'd be good for him as well. Yeah. Um, so we wish him the best for sure. Uh, I. I want to talk about to this week in the Pinecone. Yes. There was a, an amazing letter to the editor oh. written by uh, a man apparently named uh, Mark uh, Carbonero. What's okay. Mark? Oh, yeah, Mark. <laughs> All right. Go <laughs> so, ahead. All right. I apologize. Uh, by Mark Carbonero, but it is, it's a fantastic letter that you wrote to the uh, the Pinecone this week uh, talking about the takeover of Cal Am and you know, why don't you paraphrase what, what you said, because it's a very, very interesting point. Well, so my point is that in order to use eminent domain to condemn Cal-Am, that means that, um, that if the water district succeeds and they have to pay for the, for the water company, now let's say that they end up having to pay the $449 million. All right. And, and Cal-Am doesn't win on the point that their, their system is worth a billion dollars. Well, the water district is moneyless. They don't have $449 million that they can just grab and write a check for. They don't have any kind of money like that. They have to finance that. Well, that's a huge ticket item to, to, to finance. So when you have big ticket purchases, like when you bought your house, Paul, you didn't pay for it cash, right? You financed it. And you look at it and you say, geez, I got a 30-year note here. At the end of 30 years, I've paid double you know, in financing charges. Well, it's the same thing with buying Cal-Am. So does that mean that, that if they get it for $449 billion, 
that the taxpayers and the ratepayers in this district are going to be stuck with a one bill, nearly $1 billion purchase price at the end of 30 years. How are we going to pay for that? And, and my thought I, you know, is that it will end up being massive surcharges on your bills. But let me transition. Lawrence Samuels of Carmel Valley made a really good point in a following letter. It's, a, it's two letters down from mine where he makes the same point about financing it. But he believes that the way the politicians would craft this thing is that they would lard all of the financing charges onto our property tax bills so that only property tax owners would, you know, property owners would get hit with the surcharge to buy the Calam system. And knowing how duplicitous politicians and government types are, I could see them going this route because imagine if every water user on the Monterey Peninsula, homeowners and and apartment dwellers, you know, renters, if they all got a bill that besides their water charges included like $400 a month or $200 a month or whatever it might be, um, you know, for the, for the tax or the, the, the financing charge, you know, going out for the next 30 years, you would see people at City Hall with pitchforks, right? But what if you only make property owners pay that? That's a lot smaller group of people, isn't it? And it's a group of people that if you are a left-wing progressive politician, you can always demonize property owners as being um, greedy and unfeeling. And, uh, and of course, the masses, having very poor public educations, most of them, uh, will will they will swallow that hook, line, and sinker. When you tell them greedy landlords are raising your rent because they want more of your hard-earned money and they want to make you homeless. No, if, if the property owners are the only ones who are going to end up paying for the surcharges to purchase, the financing charges to purchase Cal-Am, politicians expect that these property owners should just eat that charge and not pass it through to their tenants in their apartment buildings or their commercial structures or what have you. And, of course, uh, you, you know, you'll probably see publications like the Monterey County Weekly trumpeting this kind of an idea under the banner of fairness because that's typically how progressives look at everything is that, uh, you know, the, the, the well-to-do and property owners represent a, uh, a never-ending source of sugar for whatever the public sector decides that they need. So uh, I see this, Paul, as being, um, I'm, I'm very fearful that what Lawrence Samuels projects will happen, that, that if this thing goes through, we are going to see it as a surcharge on our property tax every year. Very likely. Oh, and for very a lot likely. of people, for a lot of older people, it could double their property taxes. Well, let me let me add something to that because there's another where you were speaking about this. I had an idea. While it could even cost even more, and I'll talk to you just a second here. You're listening. To What's the plan on 1460 AM and 101.1 FM? Today, my guest is Mr. Mark Carbonero, and we are talking about local Peninsula news. Um, currently, talking about the Calam, uh, the suggested buyout of the water district. Buy, uh, water district wants to buy Calam uh, for 449 million. 
what I was going to add to your comment, Mark, is recapitalization fees. So, I when I was a um, when I was a, uh, a military officer, I worked for a, 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 a NAVFAC, and they do a lot of contracting with for construction, you know, for military bases and things like that. And what you'll find is so that there will be an internal workforce, I assume, when the water district or if the water district were to take over, they would have an internal workforce which would do things like, you know, repair pumps and pipes, you know, kind of moderate level repairs. But if you had to like recapitalize a water main that went down uh, Alvarado Street or a water main that goes along Ocean Avenue or down Lighthouse or something like that, they typically will contract with a construction company. Now, Calam does the same thing, but that is a, a huge expense. The government or any government agency or even, you know, like a water district, they're not good at it. Uh, even even NAFAC, I don't want to, you know, impugn their fine reputation, but it, because it's the government, it's really hard for them to get a good deal. So now you're going to have on top of that, I, I guarantee whoever does the work to replace that water main down Lighthouse or wherever is going to charge the water district more than they would have charged Calam. And I, you know, that's obviously a bold statement that I, that's difficult to prove, but I think history is being my judge or being the judge the, that the water district will not get as good a deal of that. And where is that money going to come from? It'll come right out of the rates or possibly property tax, but they may need to do another bond just to replace a water main. And that I think Calam will build that into the rates and you see it in your water bill. But as you're pointing out and, and uh, Lawrence Samuels is pointing out, there's many ways for a public entity to obfuscate that cost through other taxes like property tax or a bond or you know there's just a million ways to do it and i i just i never am never in favor of public ownership i think the the private sector calam has, has got a huge incentive to get the best deal they can to right. replace that water main uh when they do go to contract so i'm not a fan of this but uh i know that we both of us are in um, the small minority. I think we were probably 20% of what was measure J? What did it pass by? It was like 70% or something. Yeah, it? it passed by quite a bit, it, which is interesting because previous efforts had been defeated at the polls, but measure J made it in 2018. And, uh, and, and the contention in my letter is that if, if the cost of financing the 30 uh, year note to take over the, the water company had been a big part of the conversation during the Measure J campaign, Measure J would have been defeated. Because once you start pointing, and, and you know, to me and to you, Paul, to people that think the way we think, we look at a big ticket item and we immediately start thinking, okay, how are we going to pay for this? Well, we don't have all the money up front, which means we have to finance it. So what's it going to cost us in interest payments over whatever amount of time? You know, the, the naively, you and I think that the vast majority of people also think that way, but they don't. I mean, really, when you look at credit card debt and the average American, right, people don't think about those kinds of things. So to realize that the voters on the Monterey Peninsula were, were ginned up to uh, vote in, in, a, in, a, in a rage, in anger against Cal-Am. Yeah, let's stick it to Cal-Am. We hate them. They're greedy, and we want the government to run it so that we're going to have cheaper water bills. And nobody says to, to these people, yeah, but... If we have to end up paying a billion between the price and the financing, it's going to cost X amount of dollars every month on your water bill. Then when you start presenting that to people and they start thinking about it and going, oh, yeah, maybe it's not such a good idea that the government runs the water company. No, nah, we don't, won't vote for this. 
No, but when also, that was that was never yeah. that was the thing. And this was to me ignoring the financing cost of the takeover of the water company was deliberately done by the left wing media in this in this community to avoid having that be part of like the voters top of mind awareness when they went to the polls they they strategically they knew i mean look reporters aren't stupid okay they can be duplicitous like like politicians you know to them what you don't tell people is oftentimes more important than what you tell them and deliberately leaving out the financing costs of an eminent domain condemnation of the water district was done to help measure J pass at the polls. And, and uh, we got into this last week uh, a little bit with the uh, coastal commission. I don't, I, what I hate and, and the left and right both do this is they don't provide good faith arguments. And that's what we're really describing here is they obfuscate reasons because in this case, I think it's partly the NIMBY crowd wants government control because it's a lot easier to get, um, you know, puppets in 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 those board of directors making the decisions about the water board than it is to control Cal Am and the Coastal Commission example. So going going back to what I previously said about the Coastal Commission example, there are a bunch of unelected people that are appointed by the governor. So it's it's really a centralization of power. And that's never yeah. ever a good thing. And it's great. I know the left loves centralization of power, but wait until it's not someone you like doing that. You yeah. know, wait until it's someone who's not NIMBY. And they get that power. They get the ring. It's like the Lord of the Rings. When they get all that power, like I think it would be hilarious uh, in a tragic way if the right ever took over California because then they would have full charge of of the Coastal Commission, and they could they could probably you know uh, rape the land in the left's view because they have centralized the power that way. Right. And it's I I don't know. I don't know why we're doing this. It's so, I don't know why we're not doing the. Uh, the uh, desal plant, yes, the desal plant will cost a lot, but guess what? We can then grow again. I mean, we have we're, we have this but anemic see, water the, but, supply. But that's the whole reason. That's the yep. that was the, the reason. Crowd, yeah. That was the reason for establishing the Monterey Peninsula Water Management District. The long term goal of that was to choke off all development on the Monterey Peninsula. This is why, you know, a, a few years ago, Congressman Sam Farr made the suggestion that the marina water system be folded into the Cal-Am service area because why Why would you want marina to be part of Cal-Am? Well, because you look at marina and you see their ambitious goals for growth and you say, wait a minute, you know, us lefties have worked really hard over the past, you know, 40 years to stop all growth on the Monterey Peninsula. And we did that by getting control of the water management district so that if you live anywhere between the Carmel Highlands and Seaside, you can't build anything. But doggone it, these people in Marina have their own water system out there and we don't control it. What can we do yeah. to control Marina? Oh, well, well, we'll make Marina be part of the management district and we'll take over their water system as well and then everything from marina through the highlands and carmel valley we have control of nirvana right Nirv I mean, yeah that's exactly well, what that's marina you know what marina and i've heard this a lot well wendy root will say this as well is that marina feels like they're they get the short end of the stick well I've they heard do this articulated <laughs> because everybody's like well not you know all these nimby folks are like well we don't need to build it in monterey we can, they've, they've got all that water on old fort or they 
could just build it in Marina. They could just build that, you know, low income housing in Marina. And it's, I, it's non good faith arguments. I mean, I think yeah. that's kind of like become the, the topic of the year that I'm just sick of these non, like be, I think truth or, or honesty is the only way you're going to build trust. And like, and I, I don't know how, uh, you know, some of these people who are arguing these things by hiding some of their true motives, right? it's just going to make you look like a horrible person and, or, you know, well, in the long run. And maybe Paul, they don't see it that way. Maybe they think the, uh, you know, the ends justify the means kind of thing. Paul, here's the other thing that you got to think about, okay? Uh, as we look at, uh, you know, the state housing mandated goals, right? The, the state of California has... Department of Housing and Finance has very, very aggressive goals for increasing the amount of housing throughout the state, and they want more, a lot more affordable housing built for the working poor and for lower and middle income people. And so these these drawbridge communities, you know, like the Monterey Peninsula, Carmel, Monterey PG, they've been told. You have to develop more housing. We don't care about all your water constraints and everything like that. You're going to have to increase your water supply. So what's really interesting that's going to come to a head is, does does the Monterey Peninsula have the political capital to stop the politicians in Sacramento from making them grow? Look, a lot of the people that are calling the shots in, in Sacramento, they're lefties too, because it's all lefties up there. But they come from places like San Jose and San Francisco and Southern California. And even though they're progressives, they come from, you know, high growth areas and they've learned to live with growth. And they look at a place like this and, you know, they look at Carmel or PG or Monterey and they say, well, what the hell makes you think you're so damn special? Right. Yeah, you, you know, absolutely. You, and so well, they, at some it's point, not, they're going to they're going to drop the hammer on these people and say, not only do we want Carmel to put in 350 homes, but the next round, we want you to build even more. I, and yeah, you're going to become a victim. They are going to become a victim of, of these policies. And two things. I mean, this is not rocket science. What causes housing prices to go up? They act. I think people say, oh, it's greedy landlords or this or that. But it's it's really two things here. You're in a highly desirable place. So there's a limited housing supply. You need to build more houses. That That's just absolutely true. And what is keeping that is these pernicious regulations, whether it's the Coastal Commission or the water shortage, the, the this human-created problem of a water shortage. We have technical solutions, but we've been arguing about it for going on 30 years now. So those things, I mean, it's just a recipe for disaster. And you're they will never prevail like in the end it's going to be worse maybe we'll all be dead by then but it will be worse if we don't like aren't in control of the growth we're going to grow whether you like it or not you cannot control that when it is and how how it is we can control and this just no growth mentality will end up exploding and it will probably be much worse than what people wanted had we just gone with a natural progression of things all along right i I'm 100% convinced of that people would probably uh, not agree with that statement, but I, I think you have to have the managed growth and not, I'm not talking about just infill development with, you know, no more water. It has to be, you're going to have to be like San, Santa Cruz or Capitola level growth, but manage it. And maybe right. you don't want to look like Santa Cruz or Capitola, but you have to do it. And maybe we can get five story buildings here. Maybe we can do more apartments or something, but um, 
Ah, it's obviously I probably shouldn't get that frustrated about it, but I, it's the <laughs> well, whole topic of this. That's the whole topic yeah. of this uh, program is what's the plan, Monterey sure. County. Well, well, Paul, you know, considering thinking about growth as well is look at um, like in Pacific Grove. You know, people have talked about, hey, the city ought to um, annex in the Mission Linen property there at the corner of what is it, uh, Congress and yeah, um, there, there's something going on yeah, over there. Yeah, actually. Cong- yeah, Congress and Sunset and build housing in there. And I was driving up Congress yesterday, in fact, and I noticed all that wooded area to the right. Mm -hmm. It's right behind Mission Linen. And I thought to myself, you know, it may be a heresy to a lot of people on this end of the peninsula, but maybe some of that wooded area ought to be taken out and they could build housing in there. Oh, that's that's Rip Van Winkle Park, actually. (laughs) I I got thoughts about that park, though, because it, the trails are horrible in there. They need we need to put some money into that Pacific Grove. So that, that was I. You're right. That is a sacrilege. You'll never win anything with that, Mark. But there, <laughs> and also there's something going on with that Mission Linen building. There's there's been some activity there. So yes. I'm, I'm interested to see what's happening there. But um, that yeah. is life. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, you can go to uh, my website, What's the Plan Monterey, and you can provide some feedback. If you don't like our uh, opinions or you like them, please send me an email. Give us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. I'm Paul Lyon, owner of Express Employment Professionals Monterey County. Thanks for joining us today. And Google Express Employment Professionals if you want to find great people for your business or find a job. I want to thank the producer of this program, Mr. Mark Carbonero, and my frequent guest. I also want to thank Mr. David Marzetti, the host of the Shagbag Morning Radio Show right here on 9 a.m. on at 1460 a.m. and 101.1 FM. I'm tongue-tied today, Mark. I don't know what's going on. That's all right, Paul. Have you. a great weekend. You too, bud. Because this fine old world